0: What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? It is a beautiful day. So I ordered these sneakers. Okay. I ordered these sneakers. I go on this, this website, stock X, and it's like a stock exchange for sneakers. So you can like bid on sneakers that like, maybe they're asking a certain amount, but you're like, I don't want to pay that much. So you bid a certain amount. And then if, if a seller, someone who has them is willing to accept that price because they bought it a certain price, you know what I mean? you get it so i saw these and this is what i loved is that like knockout nike sign over there i didn't realize it had this weird nike swoosh i don't mind it but anyway i put a bid on these like a month and a half ago and when the pandemic hit we were like we're cutting everything we 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 cut a lot of shit we were paying extra into our car to like pay it off we stopped that. We gave up a bunch of different cable. We were just like, we just started looking at things that we were spending money on. We're like, this is ridiculous. We're spending too much money on things that we don't need. And so then these fucking show up. And I, I remember I had to be like, I ordered these way before. I can send them back if you want. And she didn't say anything. And I can't wear them out anywhere. So I was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear them when I do the podcast one night. Because every day I get up right now, I wear khakis and a navy t-shirt. That's it. And I have two pairs of shoes that – three pairs that, like, someday I'll wear this one, someday I'll wear that. They're all the same shoe. There's just different styles. And I'll leave them, like, at the out back door, and I wear them into the garage, and then I take them off sometimes, put my feet up when I'm writing or whatever. But it's, like, I'm not getting dressed to go anywhere. Uh, so I thought I'd, you know, i dress up a little bit. How's everybody doing? I said, hey, how are you doing? Um – it is 16 23rd of April. So they basically said Los Angeles schools just done for the year. They were like, "Not, nah, you're not going back." We knew that the whole time, but um so I want to say first of all that little special me being me that I made on my own, I paid for myself, sold it for 699 For like a year and a half, two years. One, thank you to everyone who bought that. I know it's only $7 to you, but when it adds up, it's just like... For the amount of money that I spent on it, the amount of people that bought it meant the world to me. And then I decided, you know what? It's been long enough. I'm going to put it up for free on YouTube. And that was five and a half months ago. And it's got almost over a half a million views. 520,000 views. Now, my subscribers... On YouTube when I put it out were 3,200 people okay so if you put out a special if you put something out on that channel it's gonna only go to 3,200 people right that's th- that's all it can go to until I say on this hey go check out my special so when I put it out it, it did okay it got up to like 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 views, which was way more than I had subscribers. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. But what happened was because you guys, you shared it, you commented on it, you rated it, you gave it a thumbs up, it came into like the algorithm of YouTube, and now it's got over 500,000 views. There's been no promotion. I don't have a fucking billboard anywhere. And I know that's not like groundbreaking numbers, but in my eyes... That's the power of all of you guys and it means so I can't even tell you every it's like it's just growing especially pandemic kind of helps. People are around but like YouTube has put it out there and people's response has been amazing. So I thank you guys sir. So anyone who's ever watched it if you bought it, you're the shit. If you've watched it for free, I love you. If you've shared it, fuck yeah you did. If you gave a comment, thank you. If you forced a friend to watch it and told them to share, you're the best. That's little, I mean, you don't get more, that's grassroots, dude. It's grassroots. It's grassroots. And I will say this. If you're a comedy fan and you're like sitting there like, yeah, well, Andrew Schultz, dude, his blue. My comedy is not a YouTube comedy. I don't think, you know what I mean? Like. YouTube's for like young kids who like are like go to YouTube for their entertainment. You think forty year olds and like people with kids are looking to YouTube for entertainment? Not really. A lot of us had to just. I don't go there for entertainment. Never. It someone has to tell me go watch this thing. And anyway, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of you guys, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate everyone who follows me on Instagram and YouTube. And uh, Facebook and likes picking this up. I put up a new one a couple weeks ago that you all liked. I did a picking this up. I called it clicking on this. <laughs> I called it because I'm home now and it's. Uh, I'm trying to look for things. I'm trying to be creative. Um, but you know what I love about this group. N- and I say this group, I mean us. I mean throughliners who tune in on Thursdays for Throughline Thursday. You know what I'm proud of. Is we give a fuck. We do. A lot of people don't give a fuck. A lot of people are making content just to do some stupid thing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, you guys care. And I care. We care about little things. We care about people. We care about the future. We care about love. We care about uh, yeah, whatever. I'm getting a little too much, but uh, you get it. We care. Um, And during this whole thing I told you guys I We, we do a little like riddle at, at our house every day My wife and I uh, She's basically been taking She's like that's on it with the kids And they help pick it out Um, And so we do this riddle we put at the end of our walkway And now there's like I mean I bet we get 50 people a day that come by to see the riddle And we don't live in like a crazy neighborhood But people are going out of their way They've shared on social media And now Tomorrow night, we got a little interview with the L.A. Times. (laughs) L.A. Times is like, maybe we'll do a story on you guys. That's how small town I am. I'm in the L.A. Times doing a piece on me and my riddle outside. But you know what? It's what this is, man. It's like what I've always wanted is highlighting the simplicity of life and sharing it with people and bringing some sort of joy to people couple weeks ago, we I drew out a hopscotch. It was just like drinking my coffee with the kids. And I was like telling my son, go, you got to ride your bike a couple times. Like you got to like make them get energy. My kids aren't like, I want to play sports all day. My kids are like, can we build a fort and then pretend we're Harry Potter and then do a draw? You know what I mean? So like I got to be like bike for a little while. You, river, scooter, read, bike. So they're doing that. I'm drinking my coffee and I draw a hopscotch out. And then because I'm me. I'm like, you know what would be funny? No, you don't just get to hopscotch here. You have to fucking hopscotch. So I put a sign and said, everyone must hopscotch to pass. And then I put adults too, and I circled it. And then, you know, we're in there. We, our dining room's right there. So like when we're eating, we look for people like doing the riddle. And we always tell the kids, like, go to the door. Ask them if they know it. And they'll go like, do you know it? And they're like, I don't know. You know, it's fun. It's just like, it's just, it's become this like, We can't interact with people right now. So having that riddle, even from our doorstep, to be like our kids being like, do you know it? And then the person being like, no, I don't know. What is it? And then we like, come on, think about it. We're like all within this 30 feet from each other, having this moment of like uh, youthfulness and explore. This is too hot, this jacket. You know what I mean? <clears throat> just by having a riddle, we're now interacting with our neighbors and people we don't know. And they're leaving with a different thought in their mind. We challenge them to think a little bit. It's just an awesome thing. It's just an awesome thing. So then the other day when I, I, I put out a hopscotch and I said, everyone must hopscotch to pass. Yeah, adults, you too. And then when I'd see people not do it, I'd come out. I'm like, hey, back it up. You're not going past without a ha- hopscotch. And they're like, what? I'm like, you got a hopscotch, dude. And I and I videotaped them, and I put it out. And um, it's just fun. It's like, what else are we doing? You you know, like this is what we should do. We we should be all constantly challenging each other or pushing people. Anyway, we've been spending so much time in our front yard. The other night, my son was like, can we, let's pretend fight, Dad, and River and I will try and blah, 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 and I was like, all right, yeah, and I'm like, let me set the camera up, and I, like, recorded it, and then I was like, you know what, let's make a, let's make a little movie, Uh, a friend of mine, he's, like, a lesser-known comedian, Rory Scovell, I think it's Scovell, Scovelli, Scovell, he sent me a link, and he and his daughter made a little movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to make a little movie, so, I set it up, and this is the thing: we put that riddle out and told other people, like you should do it too, and then tell us about it. And now in our neighborhood, we have four people that are doing riddles now. Some people are doing quotes of the day. I think there's probably six total. Some people like put out have a job of the hut, and they put um, so job of the shut in because we're all shut in someone else put out like there everyone's just putting stuff out for kids to walk around and look for and now a neighbor is doing like a safari so everyone who has kids is putting a different stuffed animal in the window and then this woman is making up a map for every that she's going to put out to everyone to go find these different animals in the windows and then everyone's going to get it and you go around the neighborhood it's just badass that's what this is this is what this is what we should all be doing is interacting connecting communicating finding ways to be creative not relying on everything else in the world to do it for us we're all forced to find to like to interact the way we did when we were kids and i love it uh so we made a little video and skylar's gonna drop it in skylar is my producer and my engineer and my can you do everything for me guy um so one hundred two twelve. let me tell him so enjoy Um, huh. <laughs> it's so, this is, the, this is the thing So we shot all the different things And then my boy Jay lives next door I'm like hey can you edit this little move for me And put music to it? He's like yeah you got a script I'm like do I got a fucking script No I just said hey you do this And then I thought of the next scene And uh, so then I wrote up a script And I like gave him all the things Like all the direction Like how it could be dramatic And stuff like that And then he does everything else And he put the music And I told him the write up for the beginning and so, like when we were shooting that last scene where my son dies, <laughs> where he dies, and my daughter closes his eyes and goes, "We lost him," my son was so concerned. He's like, "Dad, but that, if, but if I'm dead, Dad, then I, I then I can't come, then then Dad." And I was like, "Don't worry, we can bring you back." He told me, he told me that we can we have to bring him back, and he told me how. I'm not going to tell you because we're going to shoot another episode um i want to do a lot of episodes i hope but i told them and i told my wife i'm like hey when you guys like in the morning like one of your classroom exercises because my wife's like doing all like the work with them i'm like you got to get them to write just beat it out you know just give me the beats you don't have to write a whole script but if you can get them writing then it becomes creativity writing number of scenes which is math time where the shots want to be They can tell me like direction and stuff Just to get their brains moving The kind of stuff that I love And uh, so I'll show you the next episode um, Which by the way If you have kids I'm going to just tell you this book My friend gave it to me This is one of the dopest books Ever Okay Momoko There are no words There's I mean this is, these are the characters in the book right here Right and then they, no words. They just are all actions. Things are happening. They're going places. Stories happening with all these people that you see at the beginning. Like, it'll tell you a little thing about them. Like, uh, Pamela Snout likes to look her best. Who invites her to a party? So then you have to find her. And like, oh, where is she? Who is she? Is she getting ready in this scene? Who is she meeting? What party she's going to? And then all these people end up interacting with each other until you get to the very end. It is the fucking dopest book. You can leave your kid with it in a room and they're going to find a storyline that's happening that you didn't even know about. There's a thief. There's a guy who's solving the, th- the thiefdom. It's the coolest book. My buddy Anthony gave it to me. He has for his kids. He's always doing like super creative stuff with his kids. I went home with my son last year and I met up with Anthony and his boys and we all went for a hike and we like pretend we were being chased and we did all these cool things man that i just like i'm like you know i just i just really enjoy like really tapping into the imagination and and this book will uh pinpoint the kids i think imagination in a way different from like learning to read words or count numbers. It, this is like a different way of thinking that this book is doing. And so I highly recommend picking it up. It's called Welcome to Momoko by Alexandra Mizolinska and Daniel Mizolinsky. That's no lie. <laughs> Mizolinska and Mizelinski. I mean, I don't know how that's possible. Um, welcome to Momoko. Anyway, just want to say that. Um I had said that I would write down a bunch of stories. Everyone was like, "Yeah, you got to tell more stories. You got to tell more stories." Um, so I don't know why someone has down nightmares. Someone told me nightmares, and I don't remember what that is. Maybe I'll think about it. But uh, one story I wanted to tell. Oh my god! It ties into Anthony, this dude that gave me that book. This is like when we when I had a jeep, right? you could call him in the summertime and be like, what are you doing today? And he'd be like, nothing. I'm like, let's go to Newport, Rhode Island. And he'd be like, done. And we would drive to Newport, Rhode Island in my Jeep and we'd rent a boat and like go out in the Harbor and maybe go have lunch and then just paddle out in a boat or a motor, but we rented a motorboat. We, he was friends with this. I mean, we were all friends, me, Anthony and this girl, Lynn. Um, and they were like neighbor. We picked them up. I picked them up. We drove there. We rented a boat. Uh, We did that twice. He and I, different towns. Like, let's go rent a boat somewhere. Yeah, let's go drive two hours, rent a boat. He was that kind of adventure. Everything was an adventure with him. Sometimes it'd be annoying. Like, dude, it's too much. I just want to do. Other times it was amazing. So, this one time, my buddy Rye was getting married in Andover, Massachusetts. There's a high school in Andover, Massachusetts, a private boarding school called uh, Phillips Andover, Phillips Academy, and like John F. Kennedy went there. Uh, Bush went there Like It's a baller school Okay It's a baller school And My buddy Rye Was marrying a girl from Andover And they got married At the church at Phillips And the reception There's an inn They have their own inn And the reception was there The school was closed We were all staying in the inn Not all There was like Some people staying in the inn And uh, They're like All these crazy old rooms two amazing things happen in this story so we're all hanging out at the reception i was best man and uh i was best man i introduced my buddy rye to his girlfriend to his wife his now wife do you know how i introduced them i'll never forget in college or maybe after after college i'm at my mom's house shaving and my buddy rye comes over he's like dude this this girl he was working at like, this investment company and he used to see her in like the cafeteria right so my buddy's working at this investment company he sees this girl all the time in the cafeteria and he he wants to ask her out so he comes to me i'm at my house i remember him standing in my bathroom the door to my bathroom my mom had our bathroom was this long bathroom just went sink toilet shower pink i'm sitting there shaving it's like a summer night you know, he's I did five years in college. He did four. So he's been out for a year working at this investment company. I'm getting ready this summer after this. I'm moving to L.A. And he's like, this is girl. She's at, uh, you know, I always see her in the cafeteria. I want to ask her out. I'm like, you should. And he's like, dude, I can't. I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, you got to do it. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to ask her out for me. And I'm like, how? I don't even know her. Dude, he didn't even know her. He didn't even know her. I'm like, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, I got her number. And I go, how? This is who my boy was. He could, when we were six, I've talked to him before. In sixth grade, he'd be like, let's go grab your bike. We're going two towns over to this this baseball card shop. I heard that you can get so-and-so rookie. I'm like, how are you hearing about this stuff? You know what I mean? And he was like, just trust me. Like, that was who he was. He got call waiting before everyone and then party line. He had his own number. And he got, his number used to be 279 279- 21-24 because Deion Sanders were 21 with the Braves and 24 or 21 with the Niners and 24 with the Braves so he got his number Dion. Dion, like he's a psycho so he's like you got to ask this girl out for me I'm like how, how? he goes I got her number from the, the directory I asked like someone if they knew who and, and this is her number and I go so you, wh- what do you want me to do you want me to just call her and then ask her out for you and he goes yeah and I go all right And in my head, I would never do this for myself, but it's not for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll do this. So I call her Emily, my friend Emily. And I go, is Emily there? She's like, this is Emily. I'm like, Emily, how you doing? She's like, good. I'm like, listen, uh, you don't know me, but uh, my buddy Rye works with you and thinks you're super cute. And he wants to ask you out. So he asked me to do it. I'm just pretty good like this, you know, and she's kind of laughing like, "What? what is this? And I'm like, yeah, you know, he just I told him, like, you know, like, yeah, I'll call. I'm like, he's the best. He's the best guy. You'll love him. <laughs> Could you imagine doing this today? You can't do this today because people are like, oh, yeah, what's his name? Google check. Oh, he does. No, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And she's like, well, I have a boyfriend. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, Yeah. And I go, Well what I mean, we're just talking about a friendly dinner. What do you even mean? Just go out to dinner, you meet him, you got a boyfriend, whatever. She's like, No, I can't. And I'm like, Well, where's your boyfriend? She's like, Oh, he's actually, you know, traveling. And I'm like, So what? They go, wait, he's traveling? He's abroad? He's not that committed. And like she's laughing. I don't know what happened, but I convinced her to go out with him. They went out to dinner, they're married, they got two kids. I was the best man at the wedding. Only because of that. Nobody wants me as the best man. You know what I mean? They're like, fucking Lawson, he might not even show up. He's not going to get me a gift. He's not going to... He might fuck up the speech. He might cause a scene at the wedding. Dude, here are some wedding highlights of mine. One, went commando in a suit too small, ripped down the back of my pants, my ass is hanging out, tied the jacket around my waist, danced all night. Two, best friend's wedding... On the balcony, overlooking like the reception, took my shirt off with one of his other buddies. And we were like flipping our shirts around. That's a highlight. Three, at my buddy Eddie's wedding, I caught the garter and then put it on the girl who caught the bouquet. And crushed it. I mean, crushed it. Crushed the dance moves. Four, danced with my friend at his wedding like a romantic love dance together. Brought the house down. But you just never know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? So anyway, we're at my buddy Rise. It's at this little weird cottagey built in like the 1800s inn, you know, that's on the campus of this private high school that JFK went to. After the reception, we all get back to our hotel rooms. Now, the inn, in the basement of the inn, there's like a barber shop for like the campus and there's like a store and stuff like that, but every there's no one there, and there's only like, there's only like, five parties staying in the inn, from this wedding, and then no one else. Like we're the only ones there. But it's like all friends of the wedding, like girls from like the bridal party and guys from friends of the groom. So we're getting back to our room, and Anthony, Anello, my my boy, he goes, "Who wants to go on an adventure?" And we're all looking at him like nobody wants to go on one of Anthony's adventures. You know what I mean? We're all we're all back in the room in this inn and it was like a dope room. It was like one bed here then like like a lounge area then another bedroom but like super old. And nobody wants to go on some, one of Anthony's adventures because you all you you're all a little intrigued when Anthony says, "Do you want to go on an adventure?" But then at the same time you're like, "Is this going to be some bullshit? You know, what are we going to do?" What, what could you what adventure are you possibly going to entice us with? at midnight in an inn. Two towns over from where we grew up. Like, nothing is going on here. And he's just got that shitty grin on his face. You know that friend who's always got that little grin like, eh, who knows what could happen? And you're just kind of like, part of you's like, yeah, who knows what could happen? Why am I saying no to things? Why do I say no to things? You know what I mean? And in the back, you yeah, had that little voice. was like, you should do it. You like adventures? And I'm sitting there, and that little voice is talking to me. And I'm looking at Anthony, and he's just, like, looking at everyone. And he doesn't – the thing about guys like this – and there's elements of it in me. I called and, called my friend's wife and got her, who had a boyfriend, to go out with him and now is married to them with kids. So there's a little bit of this in all of us. But if you're going to get people to buy in and go on these adventures – you have to be committed. You can't be like, hey, anybody want to, like, go fuck around and see if we can find something? Everyone's going to be like, no, let's just stay here and drink. That's not him. It's the it's the twinkle in the eye. It's the little grin. It's the body movement. You know what I mean? That's what he gives. He gives a little bit of this. He's like, who wants to go on an adventure? And everyone's like, I'm not going on your adventure because everyone at some point has gone on an adventure with him, and it's gone south. Okay? Let's be straight up. You've gone on adventures with him, and it's been awesome. But then there's other times like for one time when I pulled up to Anthony's house in my convertible that had a bulk broken back window and he comes jumping and broke the window and it never was fixed. And then I had to put a pillow person in it for like a year and a half in the winter. <coughs> That's what you get. It's a roll of the dice. And I'm sitting there and I remember I was living in L.A. And I remember like looking at him thinking to myself like. I'm going to go on this goddamn adventure with him. And I go, I'll go on your adventure. And he's like, okay, someone's, Lawson's going on the adventure. And then, like, you'll get out in the hall. And he doesn't know what the adventure is. There's no adventure in his head. At this point, he's like, let's just do something. Okay? That is all life is, is just go do something. Right? We leave the room. We start walking. I go, what are we doing? He's like, I don't know. What are we doing? And I go, Fucking and I'm like, this is going south. You know, it's gonna be pain in the ass, waste of time. So we just go down, like we walk down a hallway, and like he takes. Then we go downstairs. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Catering's cleared out. No one's there. We're the only ones left in this inn. Everyone has gone home. And he goes, let's go in the basement. And I was like, I don't want to go in the basement cuz i'm scared. We're in an old inn from the 1800s. There's nothing good in that basement. You know what i mean? There's there's a ghost. And dude, i'm reading Harry Potter right now with the kids. I'm in book 2, chapter 15. I know what's down there. Fucking miserable Myrtle, whatever her name. That's <coughs> That's who's down there. Fucking the the Den of Secrets is down there, dude. I don't want to go down in there. Now, I hadn't read Harry Potter then, but I know what's in the basement of 18th century buildings. Nothing good. He's like, come on, are you scared? Let's go down the Avenger. And there was a barbershop down there. So we get down there and we see the barbershop and it's got like a glass door and it says barbershop and neon. We're like, oh, that's cool. And then we just kind of like walk around. We're just walking around. And then we end up going to find this other staircase... And, by the way, I'm scared out of my mind. Every door we're coming to, we're kicking open. Like, we're kicking it because we're so afraid. I mean, we're not being, like, we're not vandals, but we're, like, kicking it open. And we find ourselves in the kitchen of this inn. And we're like, all right, we're in this kitchen. And, like, this inn isn't open all the time. It's just open for, like, it's not like it's a regular running day nightly inn. It's, like, during the school year, I'm sure it is, and then when they're having events. So we're in this kitchen, and Anthony finds a freezer with five-gallon drum of vanilla ice cream. And he's like, we're taking this ice cream. And I'm like, we're not taking that ice cream, dude. He's like, we're taking the ice cream. Go get spoons. And I'm like, all right, let's take this ice cream. Because <laughs> now I'm like, one, we did something cool. We found ice cream. You know what I mean? It's It's ice cream, but it's like, what a way. Now... And two, I want to end this adventure. I was a little scared. Now, it just so happened that the wedding gift, like, you know, everyone takes something home. They did, like, hot fudge and caramel. I don't know why they did hot fudge and caramel. Th- there might be a story to it. I can find out. But we didn't, th- I, at least I don't remember thinking, like, oh, we got hot fudge and caramel back at the room. I don't remember that at all. All I remember is we go back to the room, and I have a handful of spoons, right? And now, at this point, it's all of our guy friends, like maybe seven or eight of us, and then all of the bridal party, like seven or eight chicks. And I open the door, and I reach and I go, I have eight spoons in my hand. Anthony, do you want to show everyone what you have? And he walks in with a five-gallon drum of ice cream. Now, we're all drunk. Everyone's smoking. What do you? Th- Everyone's going nuts. Like, what is this? this is the best, blah, blah, blah. This is the greatest thing. It's fun. We're having a good time. We went on an adventure. I remember, like, looking at Anthony when we got back to the room, and everyone's eating out of this five-gallon drama ice cream, pouring hot fudge on it. Not hot, but chocolate fudge and caramel, and we're eating out of it. I remember looking over at him, and he's looking at me, looking at me, like, with that, that little smile, like, see what I'm talking about? See that adventure? You know the picture at the end of a movie after a guy died? That's the picture they show, like. That was the the look he was giving me. And I remember thinking like, God, I'm so glad I went on that adventure. Now, you think, oh, there's a story in here. It doesn't. Because we went on that adventure, because I said yes, because he said, let's step out of what we're doing and try something, other things happened. We went, we found the ice cream, we brought it back, the fudge, chocolate, fun, right? Fun. Well... We had had a cooler of booze and we were all going to go play Frisbee on the campus and bring the booze. It was like one in the morning. And I'm in the other room like, I don't know what I was doing, getting the cooler or getting shoes on or something. And I hear my best friend Dave laughing hysterically. Laughing like I've never heard him laugh. Like he has this high-pitched laugh where he's like... <laughs> like and it, he can't stop. And he loses his breath. He turns bright red. So I hear that and I come back. And this is, Dave's my best friend in the world. And, uh, I mean, one of them I have a lot, but I love Dave to death. And he's in, the, he's in the bed dying laughing. And other people are, like, chuckling, and I just sit down the bed. I'm, like, next to him, like, what's, what's up? And he can't even get the words out. And what happened was our friend Joe Alberta, a.k.a. Whale Dog, a.k.a. Jumpin' Joe, Very smart guy, but he smoked a lot of drugs in college. He did a lot of drugs to a point where, like, there were times he couldn't get sentences out, not even on drugs. Like, he he just couldn't formulate words. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it was drugs. It's just who he is. He's just, like, sometimes his brain is moving slower. You know, like, some people's brain moves too fast so they can't get words out. His is, like, slow. It's just he moves at a different speed. Well, I guess what happened was he was smoking a cigarette but also had a spoon of ice cream from the tub, right? So he had a cigarette here, ice cream here, and he's talking to these girls from the wedding party. And Dave just is like, oh, I'm going to pants him. He's wearing, like, Umbros. For some reason, he had Umbros on, left over from high school. We are going to go play Frisbee. And he reaches over and he drops Joe's Umbros, but he grabbed his boxers at the same time. So Joe's, like, naked in front of all these girls But he's got a cigarette and ice cream You can't just drop either And I guess what he did was like He popped the ice cream in And then like held the cigarette and like pulled his pants up And Dave thought it was the funniest thing in the world So he calms down I'm laying next to him in the bed He's, t- he's t- telling me this, recounting it And then, you know, I love this shit And I just go, do you want to get him again? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just follow my lead And he's like, alright So I go in the other room, I come back, and I go, I look at Joe, and I go, hey, Joe, will you help me move this dresser? (laughs) He goes, what? I go, yeah, we got to move this dresser real quick. And he goes, what? I go, before we go out, we just got to move this dresser. And he goes, why? I'm like, just because we got to make some room. Because I know that his brain isn't going to say no. He's going to be like, okay, no big deal. So I get him over there, and I take this old, this giant lamp, and I hand it to him. And now he's standing at the end of the bed. Dave's here in the bed. Now he's holding this giant lamp. And he goes, what the fuck am I holding this lamp for? Dave drops him again. Drops him again. And here he is with this lamp. He can't just put, he can't just drop a lamp. He's got to put the lamp down. His ass is hanging out. Everyone's dying laughing. Dave's losing it. It was amazing. Anyway, whatever. You guys don't give a shit. Uh, People are asking me to tell some of these stories. And so, uh, I wanted to tell that By the way I think I mentioned this Month and a half ago Maybe two months ago now One o'clock in the morning My wife and I hear This homeless guy In our alley Screaming Yelling racial obscenities All this kind of shit And we wake up at like one thirty, Like oh god what the hell was that I'm like oh I heard that Yeah And then we heard him I'm like oh great There's a homeless guy in the alley You know and then she goes to the bathroom and turns out the guy's in our yard, <clears throat> which is right out there. And our, there's a door to our bedroom f- off the backyard, and he is 10 feet away from that door. That's 12 feet from where I'm sleeping. That's scary. He's in the confines of our yard. It's fenced everywhere. And we're like, how did he get in from the alley, you know? And so she ducks, and he leaves. Anyway, we called the police. We didn't know. He was talking to someone else. There could have been someone else in here. Like, if I was homeless and I found this, I'd be like, wait a minute. I have lights. I have a place to sleep. I have shelter from rain. There's valuables in here. You know what I mean? Anything. So, the next morning, it turns out the gate in the back was never opened. He had come through our front gate, which is even scarier. No homeless dude is, like, wandering our street. Now... I will say there's tons of homeless in our neighborhood because, you know, in the last two years, it's just gotten out of control. So it's like down the hill a little bit and there's a church over here and some people sleep out there. But so in the alley, sometimes, you know, the alleys, that's where people go is alleys. So anyway, now two weeks ago, 1030 night, we're in the bedroom. We hear him again. Now he's out here again yelling at someone. I go out into the backyard because I'm going to like go say something. He's like saying how he's got a gun like he's talking to someone else. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, kind of freaking out. And we call the cops. They ain't coming. The cops didn't come this time. First time they came. This time they didn't come. We were just like, ah. And I posted it on Nextdoor the first time. And someone's like, yeah, that poor guy, he's down at Trader Joe's. He's always out there yelling stuff. He's He's just a little off. So, last week, I'm out here, I'm working. And I hear him. He's right outside there. And I'm like, this guy's full of shit. I grab a golf club because that's how I do. You know what I mean? I'm a seven handicap. I can't fuck you up with a club. And uh, and I go, hey, man, you got to get out of here, dude. And he's like, you want me to come over there and punch you in the face? And I don't know where it came from. I go, you want me to come over there and bash your head in with this golf club? And I start stepping to him. And he backed right down. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's not going to step to me. Now, I I never, it, it took, it was like, six years 2011 when i realized people will back down if you step up i mean you got to feel it out but like i remember like stepping to someone who is further along in comedy than me and just like calling him out and being like fuck that dude no and then backing down and being like oh shit i didn't know you could do that and so i just like stepped to him and he immediately was like all right i'll leave and i'm like go that way i don't want you walking by me and he's like that way's quick to get out of here and i go fine then run it's like run he didn't run <clears throat> what is this nightmares thing someone asked me to do oh by the way how f- how deep am i right now 27 what i end at? like 50 yeah so we're pretty close but i'm going to start doing a uh i think i could probably do it on thursdays in the middle of the day if that works for everybody I'm just gonna do like an Instagram live where we can talk about the podcast that week everyone cool with that um I did it last week and that's where people were telling me like things to talk about someone asked me to talk about Kirby enthusiasm on the podcast this beard is so itchy I was in that episode of Curb nothing crazy it was very interesting being on that episode I've—I I don't know if I've said it, but like in between takes, Larry was like practicing his golf swing, and uh, no golf club—he's just sitting there practicing it. And I just can't help myself. I see things, and I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna definitely do something here." I mean, how often am I on set with Larry David? Not often. He's my one of my idols, so I go up to him and I put my hands on his hips. I'm like, "Larry, you got like you gotta you gotta power through that zone. You gotta really turn those." and this dude looked at me like i had i don't I, I like i had spit in his face he was like and started walking away now we're like we're going to shoot in like 10 minutes we're like in between takes they're moving cameras around we're just waiting here video village is like 50 yards away 60 yards away and he just walks the whole time looking back at me like what the fuck would you ever touch me for and I'm just sitting there the whole time watching, like watching him walk away, watch it. Like there was a part of my mind was like, oh, yeah, he's going to fire me right now. I'm about to get fired off of Kirby Enthusiasm because I went for a joke that I thought was hilarious. And LD was like, nah, play You don't touch me. And I've told it. To, I have told that story to a lot of my friends that are comedians. And they're like, you touched Larry David, dude. And I was like. Why am I the only one that thinks that's hilarious? Yes, I'm gonna touch Larry David. Why wouldn't I? That's what his entire comedic, uh, you know, you know, and you know, having pets inside legal—that ain't legal either, dude. His, his whole thing, man, is he doesn't want anyone touching him. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Why? Because I don't know. I don't know shit. That's what I think is funny. I think that the way that guy's gonna remember me is like, oh yeah, that guy that touched me. I don't like that guy. I'd rather him not like me than love me. That's not true. I want him to love me. Um, But someone asked me to tell him that. And it was... (laughs) I remember like... Now... If that was like three years ago, I would have fucking had a panic attack. But I was just like, well, go ahead, fire me. It would be a great story for me. It's not like I was getting paid so much that I was going to change my life. And it's not like... I was in a ski mask... It's not like like the credit changed my life either. I was like, this is what I'm gonna remember about this is fucking making Larry David pissed. <laughs> anyway, I loved it. And I will tell you this right now. Richard Lewis was hands down one of the nicest people and funniest cats I've ever met. I got in the van to go from like where you like your dressing rooms and shit to go to set. And I'm driving with Richard Lewis, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Richard." I'm like, "Hey, I'm Jay. And how you doing?" He's like, "You just you just done for the day today." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be doing the carjacking with you." And he's like, "Oh, that's great." He starts coaching me. He's like, "Here's the deal. You know, we're gonna improv stuff, so you try some stuff. And you know, they're not gonna laugh at everything. Don't let it discourage you. You just stick to what you're doing. And if they hate it, they'll tell you they hate it. Otherwise, you just keep going." And I was like, "Dude, like thank you." So I was amazed. I'm like, "That is like the coolest thing." He doesn't need to do that. And it it just put me at this ease of being like, okay. And uh, we had a blast. And then I was in the the caravan back at the end of the, the day with Richard. And he was sitting shotgun. And I was in the next seat with this other stand. And he and I were talking. And Richard Lewis is, like, eating kale chips up in the passenger seat, you know. So he's up there eating kale chips. I'm kind of including him in the conversation here a little bit. But then he's doing his own thing. I'm talking to this guy. And, and Richard Lewis starts coughing a little bit. He's coughing. He's... Working the cough out But he's not working the cough out You know what I mean Like I'm sitting there like What's going on here Is he alright And this dude's still like Ripping this conversation with me And I'm trying to like Be like yo hold up a sec man I gotta check on Richard Lewis here But this guy's still talking I see that he's got a water And I go hey Richard You need a water man And he's like And I was like bro Give him that water And I take the water And I give it to Richard Lewis And he takes it and And he goes He goes like this He goes He goes Jesus Christ! What are you trying to kill me up here, God? And you... I'm choking to death. You're sitting back there with the water, and I was like, "It's not my water, dude. This guy's the one with the water." I just saw that you were dying. He goes, "Jesus, that's gonna be the headline." Richard Lewis dies on kale chip because wife says he needs to eat him. Uh, and that was awesome. That was awesome. <sighs> I got to get a tent. Someone told me on that Instagram live. I need I know. I said I will. I I know. I said that. I'm not telling the ice cream story, guys. Someone asked for it. I, I'm just not in the mood. I don't know what nightmares is if whoever that is, if you remember it, please tell me. Um someone asked me to tell Twin Peaks stories. So I will. Um before I do though, thanks to everyone who uh watches my special. I said it last week, uh 520,000 views. It means so much. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. It's god, it means so much. It means so much to me that 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 many people took the time to watch it. Some of you gave thumbs down and uh that's cool. You know, there's a lot of things I watch I don't like. Um but those of you who uh commented and liked it and gave it five stars and shared it it's because of you that I'm at 520,000 views when I released it to 3,200 subscribers. So thank you very much. Twin Peaks. Let me tell you something about Twin Peaks. Whether you're a David Lynch fan or not, like I wasn't super versed on David Lynch before I did Twin Peaks. I'm not super versed now. I do have a book of his that my friend gave me after I did it. Uh, some new books in here, by the way. Frank Lloyd Wright, the houses. Oh, you're the bomb! Um, Silver palaces. That's all on airstreams. Moments in time. It's the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa. My friends Joel and uh, Mandy. They run some great shows in L.A. The Hot Tub Show on Monday nights with Kristen Shaw and Kurt Brongholer, and uh, the Super Serious Show. It's a monthly stand-up show in L.A. Um, if you're if you're still looking for comedy right now, Hot Tub they do a they do a live stream comedians from their houses on monday nights you could check that out just google hot tub show i don't know and then super serious i don't know what they're doing but i've one of the greatest shows i've ever done in my life was super serious i'm going to tell you this one and then i'll tell you the twin peaks we were doing um i never used to get like asked to do festivals and stuff like there was one festival i would do um i did montreal a long time ago then i did toronto but then after that i was never like it was always like the alternative kids that were doing like cool festivals and um, I would never get asked to do them. And then I got into Bridgetown, which I was stoked. Like, I didn't, I knew that I was kind of like it in that scene a little bit, but never really invited to do stuff in the scene. And um, anyway, Joel and Mandy were, were doing a show with Funnier Die and Conan. So, like, Conan, Funnier Die, Super Serious. Basically, they were going to put on a Super Serious show. And Funny or Die and Conan were going to, like, co-sponsor it. And they had this great venue, the North Door in Austin. I'm pretty sure that's where Moshe and Natasha, Natasha Legere and Moshe Kasha shot their special together that they have on Netflix, was at the North Door. It's an awesome venue. It's, like, this giant space that looks like almost like a baseball field that comes to this corner. That's where the stage is. And then it goes out, and there's a balcony, and there's stairs that go up here to the green room, you know? And the way they do Super Serious, Joel and Mandy, is... The host is the headliner, inasmuch as you come out first, you introduce the comic, and then you go in between every comic, and then you go last. Like, you do your set last. Now, you're going to have to open the show a little bit, and then in between you're going to have to do a little bit. Now, it was my first time at South By, and South By Southwest is like this fucking awesome awesome festival if you've never been it used to just be music and now they have like interactive which is the week before where it's like movies video games apps uh comedy you know like it's just so many different things and now the comedy is so awesome itself by and obviously the music is exceptional and then like the food and booze there's so much going on so they asked me to come down and host it and I was like, yeah. I'm like, I, I was stoked. I got to go to South by Southwest, and I'm going to get to do stand-up there. And this is like, I'm going to do other shows. I can't remember. I honestly don't remember what other shows. I just remember this being the only show I gave a fuck about. And I was very nervous. So, like, there were the stairs down from the green room, and, like, comics waiting to go would sit on, that, sit on those stairs. And I remember the lineup was, like, Andre Dubouchet, who is awesome and I love. He writes for Conan. Rory Scovel... Scovell or Scovelli? Roy Scovel Scovell. Anyway, he's a funny dude. Uh I don't really know him. He's like kind of like a younger dude. Uh John Dore. If you've ever seen John dore he's unbelievable. Uh Reggie Watts, who is the band leader for uh James Corden show, and is Dude kind of blows my mind every time I see him do stand up. It's not it's stand up, but it's so much more. It's just it's so much more. Anyway, and I think there were a couple other people in the show that were just, like, lights out, slam dunks. And I had to go out and start the show. So I go out and I host the show and I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to do some interaction with the audience because I don't want to, like, burn material up top because I knew I had to do, like, the back end. And I still didn't know what I was going to do. Anyway, I was doing material and I felt okay, but it was, you know, and it was going well. I just, you know, was doing some crowd work. And then I'm bringing up everyone and everyone's crushing and doing well. And... I'm going in between. And the the problem with Super Serious at times is you don't know now on their monthly show, everyone comes. They know the setup. They know how it goes. I remember when I first moved back from New York, they were doing Super Serious in Culver City at this like uh this like Smashbox Studios and they asked me to do it and I was like, Wait, you hosting the new headline? And I was like, are these people gonna even know? And it was like new and it just I was uncomfortable with it. Now this time at South by I was like, I don't know how it's gonna go. Anyway. I went out, I did the wrong number story, and it was at that time, I hadn't even done it on Conan yet, it fucking crushed harder than it had ever crushed. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do another story. And then I, then I did my, I do this blind guy story, if you guys ever heard me talk about this blind guy story. So I went, wrong number, crush, and then blind guy crush. And I remember coming off in DVK, Daniel Van Kirk was like, dude, you just double closed, dude. I was like what? He goes, you just double closed that show, and it was because of that that they ended up letting me do that wrong number story on Conan. Anyway, Joel and Mandy gave me that on my fortieth. It's a, a book about the Ojai Valley and the spa buildings, and then you guys know I love that book, Cape Cod Modern, uh, Twin Peaks, and then I'm getting out of here. By the way, that's Frank Lloyd Wright home right there. Took that. Um, If you live anywhere near Pittsburgh, you should go see Falling Water. It's one of the greatest things in the world you will ever go to if you like like structures or buildings of any kind. And I'm saying that in as much as, do you like having a roof above you when it's raining? Then you should go to Falling Water when we're all able to go out again. Twin Peaks was... So I wasn't like, I knew David Lynch. I wasn't a giant David Lynch fan. Like some people, David Lynch people are fucking David Lynch freaks. The audition process was, hey, put yourself on tape for this thing. Just all you have to do is tell a story to camera. I was like, all right. So I told the story. And then I they're like, all right, they liked you. They want you to go in now for casting. And I go, okay, There's sides? They're like, no, no sides. You just have to go in and talk. And I go, what do you mean? And they said, you just need to go in. And I said, Yeah. And they said, and then you have to just talk. And I go, uh, well, is there anything they want me to talk about? They say, you can talk about anything you want. You just cannot talk about the industry. Like, you can't talk about TV, film, your career. I was like, all right. And I just talk. And they're like, yeah. And I remember, like, going in and, like, looking at the casting director and the casting assistant, and they're not saying anything. So I just started talking. they like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm it's not like they were giving like feedback back so i did that and i just kept like going anyway i got the part playing a limo driver on twin peaks and um when i showed up to set so like i get to set and they uh, they remember it's cold it's at night and i have my own trailer and they had like the heat on in it it was at this parking lot and that was like base camp you know what i mean like they had craft services there and they had like makeup and paperwork and they were like uh it was like 4:30 you know, it's getting dark. It was wintertime, so it's getting dark and uh, I was going to like to my trailer and I get like into my costume and they were like, um I go, So when do I go to set? And they're like, Well, David's meditating right now and um, so we'll probably wait for him to finish meditating and then we'll go down maybe in like forty five minutes, an hour and I was like, Okay And I remember calling my buddy Logan, who I did that movie The Invitation with and he's just like so so much more um, well versed in this kind of thing And I called him I'm like hey man I'm like, What would you do I do. I feel, I feel weird Do I just hang out in my trailer Or should I go be on set And he goes I would be standing behind David Lynch As much as I possibly could If I were you And I was like oh You know uh, Logan wrote and directed This movie called Adopt a Highway With Ethan Hawke um, You should check out So like I didn't know At the time that Like this was something Logan was pursuing But So Anyway I go down to set. We're getting ready. I got to drive this limo, okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, and this uh, second AD says to me, uh, "You want to go meet David?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right, yeah." And I wasn't like super intimidated. Like my friends were like that are like more successful than me were like, "Dude, I can't believe you're going to go do Twin Peaks." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm." I'm I, I was just excited to have a job on something that was as high profile as this, you know. So the the second AD walks me over and David's like smoking cigarettes and she's like, David, this is Jay, the limo driver. He's like, oh, Jay, how you doing? I'm like, good, David. How are you? And he's like, good. I'm like, hey, man, I'm so excited. He's like, oh, it's great. It's great. You're going to be great. And I had like five or six scenes total. And then we we're going to shoot it over the course of, I think, four or five days that I was going to that I would be on set. And we're sitting there, and he goes. So what I'm thinking is, and he proceeds to give me direction for all of my scenes. And I remember just being like, like he started, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that. Like he's telling me about the scene we're gonna shoot, and then he just keeps going to the next scene. And I remember being like, dude, you want me to write this down, dude? Like, what are we doing here? I couldn't believe like that it was just going through his head, right? And so we're sitting there, and then his first ad comes over and he's like uh, hey man you the limo driver and i go yeah and he goes you ever driven a limo before and it was like a 1990 stretch continental not the boxy ones when they started rounding out the continentals stretch and it's got like a camera rig on the front of it like wrapped up with lights and everything so the camera's right there and it's old it's got like 150 thousand miles on it and those things are long and he's like you ever driven a limo before like right in front of david lynch i'm like No, man, but I'm like, I'm a pretty good (laughs) driver. It sounds so weird, but I am a really good driver. And I could drive most things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to drive the clutch of like an 18-wheeler. But I can drive stick. I could drive a truck. If you put me in, like, I put it this way. If someone tells you, yeah, I'm a good driver, this is what I would ask them. Do you think you could land a plane? Do you think you could land a plane? Because I do. I feel like if I was on an airplane, like a a 747, and something happened to the pilot, and they're like, can anyone land this plane? I'd be like, I'll fucking do it, dude. As long as someone got me on the headsets and was like, this is what you need to do. I think I could do it. (laughs) I mean, I would, and I'm only saying that because I think I would much rather be me than anybody else in that plane. You know what I mean? I would want it to be me. I'd let Burr go because he can fly helicopters. I'm like, yeah, Burr can go. Anyone else, I'm like, fuck it. Let me give it a shot. So I'm like, yeah, I should be all right. And the guy's like, I don't know, David. I don't like it. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, man, I'll be all right, dude. And he's like, listen, he, he looks at me and like, and I've never met this guy. I just met David. And this guy goes, listen, man. He goes, I drove it earlier. It's not easy. He goes, you got a rig on the front. It's from 1990. It's a stretch. And I'm like, Jesus. All right. Maybe this guy's got a point. Maybe I can't drive this thing. And i uh, and. David's like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think maybe we just have, we have a, you know, we have a stunt guy, drive it. And then, like, we shoot him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, man, I got this. I go, I got it. And David goes, this is how fucking rad this guy is. He just goes, he's got it. David Lynch. God knows, I think, I think the total budget for all of Twin Peaks was like over, almost $80 million. And he's like, he's got it. He just met me. He knows nothing about me but he's like, "Yeah, he's got it, man." And I was like, "Dude, we're not shooting." I remember I shot this short film with this this Argentinian kid. That was his name. This Argentinian kid who sh- used to shoot documentary film. Now he's like a like a like a news documentarian in Argentina. And he wanted to do this short film about an apocalypse and had me walking around in traffic in LA in a in a smog mask and then put me in the canals in Venice which is sewer water and there was a giant like these sewer tubes that came out from like the main channel that would put water into the canals and had me walk into it okay and i remember i was 24 and he was like i go how far down do you want me to walk and he was shooting me from out here and he's like just go until and just go until i tell you to stop and it was the scariest Fucking thing I've ever done is walking down this dark tunnel until he's like, okay, you could turn around and walk back now. Oh, cool. You move the fucking where the sea monsters live behind me? Anyway, we were shooting that thing, you know, just with him and a camera, two 24 year olds who were like, let's fucking make a movie. We're making a short film. This is David Lynch, famous director david lynch who's like he's got it like i'm working with my buddy there the guy was like i feel more comfortable if he just took it around took it around the block once and david's like hey, yeah let's have him driving around so like all right so now they're moving the limo around and they've like waited to like shoot and i remember just standing there next to like a lighting guy and like someone else and that one guy goes what are we waiting for he's like they i gotta see if this limo driver can even drive a limo I'm sitting there like, oh God, I'm suddenly feeling insecure. I'm like, was everyone waiting for me? I fucking boom. I crushed it. I was like, we're good. David's like, see, we're good. Let's go. So we go to shoot this thing. Now, there's not enough room in the back to have Kyle, who I'm who's my i I'm doing the scene with, and David and the camera guy, like our the director of photography. So David's like, all right, so listen, there's not enough room for Kyle. So I'll just be back there and I'll be doing lines with you. And I was like, all right. Now I never really like understood the magnitude of this guy because he was so down to earth and so welcoming and so genuine until we started doing this, right? So we go like the whole thing is we're driving around, I'm talking to Kyle, and I'm just the one talking, and I'm giving lines, and he's giving me Kyle's line. Lynch is giving me Kyle's lines. We do that, and then I pull up in front of this house. I get out of the car, I go around, and I go to open the door, right? Easy. So I do it, this first take. I go around, I get to that door, and I hear, cut! And I go walking around the back this way, because I know we're going to probably go again. He he, he only does like one or two takes, but, I mean, we got to do this thing again. And he rolls the window down of a nineteen ninety. Stretch Continental limo. David Lynch rolling the window down to give me direction about what I just did in the mirror with him. And I remember just like him rolling the window down, and I like lean in there, and I'm looking at him. He's like, "All right, so what I want you to do is like he, he, this guy's a whack. He's back here. He, all you know is a red door. That's what you're looking for." And he goes, "You know, you're great. Let's just do it." And I was like, "All right, all right." And I remember like walking back because it's a far, it's far from that back door to the, my door. And he's rolling the window up. And I remember going, that's fucking David Lynch, dude. And it was a trip. It was a trip. And we do that. And we go around. We Finally, we figure it out. And then the next scene is with Naomi Watts. And I remember they're waiting to set that up. And now I'm like in this fake ho- this house that we're shooting at. And Naomi Watts is over there. She just flew in from England. And she's like working her lines. She's an Academy Award-winning uh, nominated actress. And I'm going to have scenes with her. And like I introduce myself. And it was just trippy because... I'm doing this podcast from my garage and I got to do scenes with Kyle and Naomi Watts and David Lynch. But the coolest moment I had on Twin Peaks. Now, if Larry David could only act the way David Lynch did and been a little fucking cooler, I'm a seven handicap, by the way, Larry, If you know my wrong number sketch and you know you know what Larry David is like, you tell me he wouldn't love that bit, fucking yeah, he would um so we're shooting this like this is like esplanade, you know, like a big esplanade, like a esplanade outside of like a building for this shoot this uh on Twin Peaks, and I'm dropping that uh Kyle off at this location, and this is my last scene for the day. And then they had another scene that's going to be shot there, right? Now, there's a statue in the movie, and it's of this guy with a shirt buttoned all the way up, tucked into pants. Like, Lynch always has every shirt buttoned up. It's the coolest fucking thing. And then he's and then he got, like, this, like, big round hat on, you know? And he's sh- shooting a gun like that. And, like, when you're working on set with David Lynch crew members tell you stories like you just all you gotta do is just ask like hey what's up with David you work with him before and they're like oh yeah I worked on the first Twin Peaks and they're like they start telling you stuff like oh the first time we shot Twin Peaks at the, at the end of the day David would just take a camera and take Kyle and other actors and just go off and shoot stuff and wouldn't tell anyone what he was shooting and <laughs> I was like what they're Like, yeah I'm like what a crazy man how cool are you um that's my boy, Anthony. That's, you know where that comes from? If you're not getting it, it comes from stuff like that. That's where that, that's where that mindset comes from. Stuff like that. Um, anyway, so we're shooting, we finish this scene, right? And then I pull up and there's all these steps up to the Esplanade. I get out of the car and then David goes, that was great, Jay. And I was like, "We're good," and he's like, "Yeah." And I'm done for the day. Now they're gonna go set up another shot that's happening at the Esplanade, right? So I walk up the steps, and I'm like, "We're good." He's like, "Oh, it was great." And I get to the tops of steps, and it's just me and Larry, da- uh, me and David Lynch. And uh, and so it's me and David Lynch, and I'm standing there, and I go, uh, "Now, someone on the crew, like I said, you just ask them stories, had told me that David had that statue." That statue was based off a picture of his dad, right? It was a picture of his dad, and he had the statue made. And I guess it was going to play into the storyline somewhere, but I don't think he was telling anyone what it was. And, uh, and I remember standing there and being like, uh, well, it's just me and, me and David Lynch. And I go, it's a hell of a statue, man. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, you had it made just for this scene? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, you know, I told my wife, I'm like, you want a copper statue? You just write it into the budget. And he just kind of like smirked, and he goes, "You know, that's my dad." And I go, "Yeah, I know." Someone told me that. I go, "What did he do?" And he goes, "Well, he worked for the Department of Agriculture, and uh, when when this picture was taken, that we it was a picture we made in a statue, he was in Montana. It was either Montana or Minnesota, and on uh, forest fire watch. And what would happen is, like on the top of mountains, they have these little cabins that like." I think they probably have gas in them maybe or like propane tanks and then like a bed and a living room and stuff. And you live up there um, for like a week straight and you hike up. It's like a five mile hike up or something like that. And you hike up with food and water for a week. And then at the end of the week you hike down, you resupply, you go back up. And your only job, I'm sure you have other little things, but your job is to watch for forest fires. So if there are them, you report them. I remember him saying to me like, "Yeah, how would he report that? He's going to hike down 5 miles? I don't know. Maybe they had walkies. Who knows what they had." And uh he goes, "He was on forest fire watch. That was when he was doing that." And I go, oh wow, interesting." I go, it "Takes a certain kind of human to live in solitude like that." And he goes, "Yeah." And that's when he told me he'd hike down every day uh once a week get his stuff. And I'm like, so cool. And we're both like looking at the statue and I go, kinda like Kerouac. Because when Kerouac wrote Dharma Bums, he was doing that exact job in like Northern California, like near Berkeley or something. And he I remember like reading Dharma Bums and he's talking all about like being up there, and at one point he's sitting on the steps to his cabin and there's like a snake on whatever. And it kind of caught Lynch off guard that I knew that about Kerouac, you know? And he looked at me and he goes, Yeah. And he's like kinda looking at me stunned, like, who's this dude again? Because during the shooting all the time, if he wanted to say something to me before like we were gonna go, I'd always hear him say, like, what's the limo driver's name again? You know, and they'd be like Jay and he'd be like, Hey Jay, and I'm like, Yeah, what's up, David? And it was the greatest thing in the world hearing David Lynch not knowing my fucking name. That's that's that was like everything to me. And uh and so here I am dropping Kerouac on him. Because I know that about Kerouac because I had, you know, and I go kind of like Kerouac. And he's like, yeah. And we're both and he's just like kind of looking at me like with this intrigue. And I just and I'm never this cool because usually I just put my foot in my mouth and I go, all right, man, I'll see you Wednesday. And I just slapped him on the back and I walked off. And I know that when I left, he was like, what's that guy's name again? (laughs) Anyway, um, that was a lot of fun. I'll tell you right now like whatever I do in my life going forward it's uh I can be happy that I got a chance to work. I've got to work on some I don't act a lot but when I do I get to do some cool stuff so I definitely am a lucky human being. I had these that I'm going to start reading and like just making like videos once a week. You know, I used to pen pal with my aunt Rue when I when I lived in the condemned house. And these are all uh, these are all letters that we would r- she would write to me. I don't know if I have hers. Um, Memories to live by. This is the poem that she wrote me. Love Auntie Rue. Happy words to remember. Happy thoughts to live by. I'm coming, aunties. I'm sleeping over. Huh. Anyway. I'll start doing those. Um, I love you guys. I really do. I really love knowing that you guys are out there listening and supporting me. And, uh, I hope this podcast continues to grow and we continue to do great things. And when we can have guests on again, I will, you know, if I was a guy that had guests on all the time, I would just have virtual guests, but you know, I'm not, you know, this is more, um, this is more from here. Just me. So obviously you know that, um, Keep telling people my special and about this podcast and follow me on social media and uh, being safe and having fun with your family. Do cool stuff. Bake more. Do more shit. I love you. I love you. I love you.